0: Hi, everybody. This is Love Him, Love Them with Linda Gunner, where we give hope, touch lives, and change hearts. Hi, everybody. Today we're gonna talk about the Jesus Revolution movie because my big question is, that movie is about a move of God. I wanna know, what happened to that move of God? That's my question. And how do you keep a move of God moving? You know, one of the most moving scenes in the film, uh, The Jesus Revolution, is when Chuck, which we're going to talk about who Chuck is, delivers a really powerful sermon, and he declares in that sermon a determination that the church should be a place that could be home to anyone. No matter what their background, no matter what their appearance, no matter what their experience. And he starts off by talking about the statute of liberty. He says, give me your tired, give me your poor, give me your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. You know, as I read those words to you, all I can think is, isn't that what Christianity is supposed to be about? I just want to welcome you, because if this is your first time with us, I'd like to invite you, if you're on our YouTube channel, I want you to subscribe. I want you to comment back and forth with me. Let me know what you think. Also, if you're not, if you're listening on television or hearing on one of the radio stations, I'd like to invite you to go to our website, lovehimlovethem.org. Let me say that again. That's Matter of fact, if you don't remember anything else, just remember that. Love him, love them. .org. Um, we have a brand new book out, Miracles with Mommy Linda. Wow. I tell you what, we're going to have a no other, another whole episode on that. You're not going to believe what happens when you read a book about miracles that are happening today. I can promise you it will increase your faith. You can get that anywhere books are sold, but if you get it on our website, you also get a free t-shirt with that. That says heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. It's an amazing t-shirt. We'll have to show you that. So we work in the United States and also in the country of Haiti. And our mission is to provide ways for you to serve widows and orphans and opportunities for you to do that. Now, listen, I can promise today, if you stick with me, you're gonna know something at the end of this 30 minutes (laughs) that you didn't know now. And also it's gonna be something that's gonna help you love him and love them. So As we discussed a few weeks ago, there was the revival at Asbury that broke out on February 8th. You guys remember that? Unless you've been living under a rock, you know all about it. Uh, And then we have all of a sudden the Jesus Revolution movie in theaters on February 24th. I have to have somebody that's good with math to figure that out. 24 minus 8 is what? I don't know, but I know it's a really short period of time. And this Jesus Revolution movie is all about the evangelical Christian movement that began in the late 1960s. Some of us were here, some of us weren't then, but it started on the West Coast in the United States and it spread across North America and reached Europe and Central America. Now, who in the world could have orchestrated that revival starting in Asbury and then two weeks later, a movie coming out? That talks about a previous move of God that started the Jesus Revolution. Have you seen the movie? Uh, what did you think of the movie? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you my view of the movie. I know I've seen a lot of other people, and and people are either they love it or they hate it. They either think it's amazing or they think it's really really cheesy. Um, I'm going to tell you. I when I saw it with my kids, I thought there was a lot of darkness, a whole lot of darkness in the beginning. Um, I was even a little bit concerned because I had my 12-year-old with me. Uh, there's a lot of darkness. And so, moms, you need to be prepared for that. Um, there's a a lot of the parts of Greg's life in the beginning uh, that I understand that they're showing how he came from that to where he is now, which right now he has Harvest, Harvest Church. He has a huge, huge ministry. Uh, Greg Laurie has made amazing impact in tons and tons of people's lives. Um, and I just... I love the movie. I do think you should go see the movie. I just wish that—because uh, by the time when we left, I had my 85-year-old mom with me, my 26-year-old daughter, and a 12-year-old daughter with me. And when we left and got in the car, and I was asking Gina about, can you believe the ministry he has now? And she had no clue. She was like, what ministry? Because at the end, you only get to see the in uh, subtitles at the end what Greg Laurie does now— and so she had no idea what had become of that movie. So that that's my only thing. But I do, I do want to focus in on this. What happened to that move of God? Because now we have this move that's coming out through Asbury and Ukraine, It's all over the world. But my biggest concern is if we had one before, <laughs> why did it stop? Why why do why do they start and stop? Um and also, I just want to start with this, because what, what did inspire the Christian director, John Irwin, to make Jesus Revolution? I want you to know that there was a Liberty University panel in 2003, and John Irwin, he's the guy with, I can I only imagine, I still believe, American Underdog. He was the director of those movies. He said he got the idea to make the movie after coming across that Time magazine. Have you guys seen the, the Time magazine uh, covers? He saw it on eBay and it had an image of Jesus on the front and underneath it said the Jesus revolution. And he said he had found that uh, picture on eBay and he said it was held up in June 21st, 1971. And he, I, I would love to show you the picture of it, but you can see it online. But that image of Jesus on the front of the time magazine was just four years after a Time magazine cover that said, God is dead. (laughs) And he was like, what in the world happened from four years ago where it says God is dead to now it says there's the Jesus Revolution magazine. So there's this 10-page article in there. He reads through the article. He finds out that God swept through the country at a time in despair and division. That sounds kind of like where we're at today. Uh, Very familiar and he studied what happened for seven years, and so he said he was dreaming of making that movie. And Michael, I have pictures of both of those Time magazine covers, so I'm gonna—I'm not gonna hold them up because I know it probably won't come out right. But there, it says literally, "Is God dead?" And all of a sudden, a Jesus revolution. So he studied and studied and studied, at, and at Liberty University, they decided that they wanted to tell the story of when was that last great awakening in America. Because he said, I just believe it's going to happen again. Listen to these words of this director. If this isn't Holy Spirit inspired, I don't know what is. I just feel in my soul that God's going to do this again. And he's going to do it in our time and in our generation. So the reason he made the movie was to say, let's tell the story. Let's tell the story about the last great awakening in America in hopes that God will do it again. And then talk about being spot on with something. That movie came out two weeks after the everything started in Asbury. Matter of fact, it was in the middle of it. So I think that's pretty amazing. I think that is, uh, for no other reason, that is a great reason to go see the movie because of how the Holy Spirit has lined up and what's happening. But again, what happened? Why did that move of God start and stop? And why do we have to have another movement? What ended it? Because the question I have is, if what what happened at Asbury is the beginning of a new Jesus revolution, how are we going to keep it from stopping like the last movement ended? You know, according to Christianity Today, sometime in 1973, the press, and remember, they didn't have um, social media back then. They didn't have that that way to get everything out with what was happening with the Jesus Revolution. But apparently in 1973, the press stopped talking about the Jesus Movement, and many soon reached the conclusion that the movement had died because the press wasn't rep- wasn't talking about it. Ironically, the movement in 1973 was thriving. It was thriving in places like Ohio and Pennsylvania, for example, where it was probably bigger. It was actually bigger in those states than it was in California where it had all started. And it was actually booming overseas. But on the other hand, the movement as a whole was in the throes of transition. So the same kind of changes that were affecting the overall youth scene, the trend was away from the streets and into the books, away from the confrontation and toward contemplation. Among Christians, there was less emphasis on outreach. Do you guys remember back in the, gosh, when was it? The 90s, 2000 even, probably 90s, whenever there were every church in the world had an outreach night. I remember for ours, it was Tuesday night, which not very many people showed up, <laughs> When you would come and literally go out into the streets. Well, that and that was part of the Jesus Revolution. They were going and telling everybody. So they moved away from outreach, and they focused more on Bible study and on worship. And large segments of that Jesus movement just disappeared behind closed doors. So, and it failed to adapt to the times. It just really ended up disappearing altogether. I want to tell you another interesting part, which I am not into history or politics, but with Watergate and President Nixon's promises to end the war in Vietnam, that's where that that's where that whole counterculture receded. So thus that removed the mission field that that revival had targeted because that's what was going on. They wanted peace. They wanted peace. So now they were going to stop the war. So they got they got the peace. So with previous efforts of evangelism that had been really, really simple as sitting out in the street and playing a guitar on a street corner for a group of spiritually interested hippies, that cynicism born of social, social, societal spheres towards cults and brainwashing techniques made evangelism very not nearly as fruitful. So there was a counterculture that came to an end, and Jesus people groups either disbanded are they institutionalized in churches? Or are they stubbornly held on to their counterculture roots? It's, mm, when I think through all of that, it, was the Holy Spirit in that Jesus movement? Were there a lot of things that changed? Through the Jesus people movement, it, it just ended. It ended in the 70s. There were still a lot of churches, a lot of parachurch organizations, a lot of apologetics ministries, a lot of converts, a lot of Jesus musicians, a lot of music came out of that. A lot of independent evangelists, a lot of missionary workers that had been funneled into the Protestant and Catholic denominations. But my question is how, if it's a true move of God, would that move of God keep moving? You know, many people say if God doesn't do it, then I won't do it either. Many people wait for the Lord to move to release revival. But the truth is, God is waiting for you. God is ready to move, but if the church doesn't provoke the move, nothing will happen. And I I'm really 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 concerned. And I'm I'm going I'm going to tell you, this last week was the very first week that I got to speak and share at a church since our new book has come out. Our new book is Miracles with Mommy Linda. And it is about miracles that have happened that we have personally been involved in and a part of, of healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. I am really, really concerned about what we're calling a move of God. I'm people because now I see that because people know that we've been involved with miracles, people are coming, seeking that. There were literally people at this church the last week coming in on with canes, coming in with rashes on their hands, coming in with their marriages falling apart. They are seeking. Something. And. I just want to make sure that as we seek what we're seeking for our miracles, I, I don't want. I don't want what's happening now with this revival and the Holy Spirit coming to be something that comes and goes. I don't understand how it comes and goes. How do we have these waves? Because if it comes, it should stick. It should stay. The power of the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit is is not something that comes and goes. You know. I want to talk to you about what provokes the move of the Spirit. It's, it's, a, it's a, a revelation knowledge. A revelation knowledge. Most revivals die because people don't have what the revelation of what is next. And when there's no revelation, and you see how that one was tied to, and I never knew this before, but it was tied to the war. People were looking for an answer to that. They wanted peace. The people that wanted peace, it was an argument. When when there's no revelation, and what is a revelation? The definition, the divine or supernatural disclosure to humans of something relating to human existence of the world. People are hungry for the supernatural. People are so hungry for it. You know, people repeat the same things, and God, God is attracted to movement. He's not attracted to stagnation. Revelation is what continues the movement. And when there is no revelation, The movement will die and it just becomes an institution. And I think that's exactly what happened is things moved into the church. Uh, Well, I I don't know. I mean, you can you can study that on your own because I want to say it doesn't really matter what happened to end that. But it does matter what happened to end that, because if we're looking that we're starting again, we don't want this to end the same way when you start your relationship with Jesus Christ. When that power of the Holy Spirit comes in, we need to figure out what is it that's causing people to fall away? What is it that causes people to not, is it that they didn't get completely dipped in the Holy Spirit? Is it, oh my goodness, uh, Fred and Merlinda and I were talking about this this morning, talking about James, where it says, uh, consider it pure joy, my friends, when you have trials of many kinds, because that is what increases your faith and, and gives you the perseverance, and, and Fred said the, the problem is because people, it's hard. It's hard to go through trials. It's hard. And people, do, this is his exact words, where people don't want to make the sacrifice that it takes to make it through those trials so that they can persevere. You know, the enemy hates revelation because revelation is what brings progress, and and we need to have some revelation of what the word of God says. We need that. We need to understand that. So if even if we just understood that one verse in James, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when trials of many kinds come because we I asked Fred I said when was the last time you ever heard anybody say oh I am so glad I've got so many problems right now because this is going to increase my faith and help me persevere he's like I've never heard anybody say that and yet that's what the word says and what are we all looking for a way to persevere you know another thing that that draws a movement of the spirit is unity i've been really um, honed in on this because you you don't hear a lot of people talk about that either But unity, God is pleased when he sees unity. The Spirit of God actually doesn't stay where there is strife. And many Christians don't unite because everybody wants to implement their own agenda. Ooh, that is so, so true. And division is the evidence of spiritual immaturity. Where there is division, there is no glory. Uh, Ephesians four really, really hones in on unity and talks about how we are supposed to be unified in the spirit. You, and and you know we we don't find that. We find matter of fact, we don't find unity so much that we have not only a first Baptist, a first Methodist, a First Presbyterian, but we have a second and a third. And it just continues to divide because of exactly what just I just said. Everybody wants to implement their own agenda whether that sometimes even boils down to, are we going to have a Sunday night service? Are we going to have this color carpet? Are we going to have the remembrance table? Unbelievable the way Satan can come in. You know, it's time the church and believers put aside their agenda and surrender to the Holy Spirit and align yourselves to God's agenda. You know, when the in Acts 2.1, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord In one place. I was thinking about that the other day. When is the last time you've ever heard of anybody talking about tongues of fire showing up on everybody's head or a building completely shaking? You know, another thing that the spirit is really attracted to is hunger. When there is no spiritual hunger, there is no drive to seek God. And do you realize that we can provoke God to move through our hunger? Do you know that we can ask God for hunger for the word, for revelation and for revival? Just think if whatever the idol is that you have placed currently before God, whether that's food, whether that's cigarettes, whether that's pornography, whether that's uh, the lady that came forward Sunday sleeping around, whether it's putting another person before your spouse, just think if you had that the same hunger that is driving you to that idol right now, if you had that hunger for the revelation and for God's word, another thing that draws the move of the spirit is sacrifice. and that's what Fred's talked about this morning. You know, praying and fasting are spiritual sacrifices to God. In this generation, we want success. We want anointing, we want wealth, but we don't we want it without the sacrifice. It's it's if every powerful man or woman of God, had a lifestyle of sacrifice, the world would be a different place. But we don't want to sacrifice. We don't even want to deny ourselves. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it, and that's it, period, the end. When offering is given to God, he is pleased, and that is when he moves. So if you want a revival— if, you know, that's what this is the big thing I hear back and forth, uh, even when we were talking about Asbury or and even with people with the results of the Jesus Revolution movie with they're going to see it, you know, everybody keeps saying, Well, I don't need to drive there, I don't need to go there, or other people are like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad I went. It's like, it's like Satan is even dividing us in the the criticism and the discussion of a revival. Unbelievable. But if you want revival, if you want movement, put something on the altar. Sacrifice attracts the fire and the power of God because sacrifice is the place where the spirit wants to take you to the next level of your life. There are so many people man. this past. I know David says, don't talk about where you were or what church you're at. So a church that I was at recently. It is mind blowing the things that we are willing to put before God. And the things, I mean, in some of those things I don't even think could be a sacrifice to get rid of or to just stop. It's just the lack of obedience. Nobody wants to obey. What is the law of sacrifice? For it to be a sacrifice, it has to be something that you value or something that has a cost. And when you sacrifice, it's a legitimate way to get closer to God because sacrifice is not just an event. See, that's what draws me to that the thing about what why does a move of God not continue? I think for a lot of us, it is an event instead of a lifetime, instead of a lifestyle. I think that's why we lose weight and gain weight. <laughs> that's it's it's an event. We do something long enough to get the result that we want, and same with marriage counseling. When we do marriage counseling with couples, man, they'll come in. Their lives are falling apart. They're ready to hand us the divorce paper. A lot of people do come in and throw the divorce papers on the table and say, see what you can do with this. And and when uh, David starts to counsel and, and uh, we tell the biblical truths uh, and they get to a point where, okay, now they can live with each other again, it, 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 they get to that event and then they stop. We do what we've got to do to get to where we want to get to. And then once we get there, we go back to exactly what we were doing before and wonder why we gained 20 pounds back. I'm just saying. Uh, But for it to be a sacrifice, it can't be an event. It has to be a lifetime. Sacrifice can be prayer. It can be praise. It can be worship. It can be offering. It can be serving. It can be dedicating time to seek God. But the power of sacrifice is it causes movements. Oh, my gosh. That is so—that is so— Tied to weight loss, right? When you sacrifice something, it does cause movement. It causes movement on the scale down, and it it does cause a revival of a change in your life. In the same way, when we sacrifice for God, where there is continual praise and worship and offerings, that altar will be burning Do you remember whenever um, those two guys were walking with Jesus and they didn't know they were walking with Jesus, but they talked about after they figured out and he opened their eyes that they were with Jesus and he said, man, we should have known something because we were burning inside. There was a burning inside of us. When is the last time you sacrificed something to the point that there was literally a burning and fire inside of you? And that's what they said. How did we not know it was him whenever we were burning inside, walking right beside him? Sacrifice authorizes God to put more spiritual weight on your life, and it releases power. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the power. You want the power of God? You want the ability to lay your hands on the sick and have them healed? You don't even have to pray? Do you want the the power of God to be able to cast out demons? Are you sick and tired of your teenager that's full of depression or rebellion? That's what the power of God gives you. How do you become a, a carrier of a movement? Number one is you participate and you stop criticizing. You cannot carry a movement in which you don't participate or you don't invest in. And for the movement to exist, somebody prayed, somebody invested, somebody sowed, and somebody sacrificed. So we have the ability to start a movement of God, the same type of movement that if you've seen the Jesus Revolution movie, you saw what happened. I don't know if you remember. But or if you haven't seen the movie, but it started with one guy coming, uh, getting picked up as he was being hitchhiked, and going to somebody's house. One person, one person that talked to another person and their daughter. Three people. <laughs> I mean, you have that. You have that. You have that ability. But why aren't we? Why aren't we? I I pray. I'm I'm just gonna pray with you now, Lord Jesus. I'm going to offer you the opportunity to pray because you've heard you've heard the word. You know, so many times when I've spoken lately, when the pastor gets up, he says, there's really nothing more for me to say because she, she's already shared the word. The, the question is, are we willing to obey it? So I'm going to pray this prayer for us. Tonight, I've heard the word. Today, I've heard the word. And I'm going to obey it. Forgive me if I have compromised the truth. I need you to wash me in your blood. And I need you to forgive me if I have criticized what I don't understand. The move of your spirit. I sacrifice my own life. I sacrifice praise, prayer, fasting. I want to see your Holy Spirit. I'm asking you to receive my sacrifice. Spirit, I want you to move and I want you to release your fire. Amen. I just, when I, when I see that Jesus Revolution movie, I just think, why not you? Why not me? You know, I see a lot of times in our home group, we have the same number of people that Jesus did. And Jesus's 12 were jacked up guys. (laughs) You know, they were really jacked up guys. He had to talk to them over and over about their faith. It wasn't like he picked the the most amazing guys in the world that were theologically sound or even could be. Look at Paul. I just wonder that verse, and I know I say it a lot, but it says the eyes of the Lord are roaming the earth, searching for a heart that is turned toward him so he can use them. And I think you may be that person that he's looking for. You may be the person that can not only start a move of God, not necessarily for the world, but it may be for the world. But what if it's just in your home? What if your wife or your husband really needs a move of God? What if your kids really need a move of God? What is it that you are not willing to sacrifice that is gonna change the trajectory of your kids' lives forever? Or what if it's your office? So many people complain to me, you know, Linda, I can't even go back to work because all they do at that office is cuss and scream, I'm the only Christian there. Wow! You have the ability to shine really bright in a dark place. And what if because of what you're willing to sacrifice, people at that office, their eternity and their life will be changed forever? What if you don't worry so much about being involved in a move of God for the world? Would you just be concerned about having a Jesus revolution with whoever your world is, your office, your family, your sphere of influence? Because we all have one. And I think Jesus would be overwhelmed with being able to use you to have a revolution with your spirit. Don't forget. It's your job to love Him and love them. And one of the best ways you can do that is bring the Spirit of God into your family.